What's really ick? No more like a millstone. A plumbing stone, by God. Damn them all. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Bo. And I'm Kate. And this is The Heart of Horror, a, a bonus episode. You might be asking yourself, listeners, uh, what the hell is this? And the the idea behind Heart of Horror is that I wanted to do a conversation with, about a, a movie where romance or relationships are, are kind of at the heart of it. And, and most particularly, I want to do this with, with Kate because uh, she is uh, a, a woman of great intellect and experience and also hilarious stories. <laughs> Yeah, mainly, mainly that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I don't even know where these, like, I just, I just end up in situations where I'm just like, huh, oh, I guess this is, this is happening then. You know, <laughs> um, I just seem to gravitate towards like dumb shit and, and dumb people. And so I, um, and I'm like quite dumb myself when it comes to this stuff. So it's kind of like a bit of a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> But really, my my love life and my sex life is just kind of one punchline after the other, honestly. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think probably if you listen to this show for no other reason, the fact that we are going to stumble into revealing things about ourselves <laughs> that will eventually be used uh, in terms of exhibits in court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah like sometimes when I've like listened back to shows and things where I've like revealed certain things about myself I'm like was that a good idea that seemed funny at the time now I'm not so sure um but let's put myself in a situation where it's just like this is what I'll be talking about maybe it's like a like a like I, I can control this so it's fine you know like I'm owning it right and I think also there's a little benefit of time where the stories that we're talking about for the most part are going to be things that happened a while back and, yeah. and you gain some perspective and hopefully a little wisdom <laughs> but also it's just like oh you know it, it's a real can you believe that happened kind of thing yeah and yeah. Uh, so for the first episode we are going to be di discussing a movie that both of us really like uh, which is After Midnight, the Jeremy Gardner, Christian Stella film. Yep. And, and in addition to that, we're going to sort of focus on the idea that love that kind of left, you know, I, I don't know if we haven't talked about this prior to the show, so this could all go disastrously. <laughs> but I know for me, there was definitely that one person that rightfully at the time left and it just gutted me you know one one of the like the the one that got away sort of thing yeah see for me it's the opposite um I not that I'm like this guy's like pining after me or anything like that anymore but like at like for me it was it was the relationship where I had got to my ends with like my wits end on it and I did the leaving you went to Miami um, yeah yeah I just you know thought I'm living in this little town and you know what the next natural step is to just jump ship and, and go stay in Miami yeah mm -hmm. get some tamales yeah. yeah get some tamales exactly you know drink some wine go to uh, you know what actually that whole thing honestly sounds so fucking good yeah um, I'm, I'm considering moving to Miami in all honesty fuck it all fuck it fuck it let's just go why not <laughs> yeah that's just one little town 
you know, four hours from our porch. Yeah. So, all right, but let, let's talk about the movie first before we get into the stuff that uh, is going to probably end both of our relationships. <laughs> if our significant yeah. others ever It's fine, I'll meet you in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this whole podcast ends with both of us being booted out, uh, rightly so. <laughs> Yeah. And and uh, banished to Miami, where uh, you know we can all get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but all right. So after midnight is uh, the second film from one Jeremy Gardner, and I think you and I both love the battery as well. Oh my god! Yeah. I, if you hear me on the on the summer series for podcast on the stairs, you'll hear my love all over that film. Like I'm still sore about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was like, what in the hell is happening here where the battery is not going through? But all right, fine. Yeah, I know. Um, but no, I, I, I really love the battery. I think it's just such a good example of, you know, this is how you make a really relatable and just well put together film for like hardly any money at all, you know? And I just, yeah, I just think that the the way the writing in it is just fantastic. And I think that the writing, this film is like a, a continuation almost in the, in the respect that like it's, yes, you have all the horror and stuff around it, but really you're there for the characters, you're there for the writing. And that's what makes this film, like, you know, the, we've got, like using the battery as an example, we've got so many zombie movies and things. Um, but that to me stands out because the characters are so like written so well. And the same with this one, like we have to care about what's going on with Hank and Abby for everything else to work. So yeah, yeah, I I love I love both these films. And I, I think you're right. I think this is kind of a continuation where instead of it being about two friends and the relationship between them, mm. Gardner this time around is, is looking at uh, romantic relationships. Yeah, and and in particular, it's uh, him and Brea Grant are the the two actors in uh in this movie and you get some early glimpses of well the, the all right let's take one step back the movie starts off with him being uh assaulted at night as he sits uh on on a couch with his shotgun in his lap and what we learn very quickly is that his his girlfriend has left his girlfriend of almost 10 years Mm. uh which is a problem <laughs> yeah that sentence in itself just screams red flag <laughs> yeah for sure um and i was definitely on the uh the, more of the the Brea grant end. i'd been dating somebody for about eh, it was probably 18 months mm. so not 10 years don't get me wrong <laughs> but uh definitely had that moment of like so what are we doing here you know, like, is this going to lead to marriage? And at the time, I had no interest in getting married. And so, much like Abby, I was like, I'm going to fuck off to Miami. Um, <laughs> and I, I think this is done. But it's if you're if you are in the same relationship for 10 years and there is not either a ring or a conversation about how we're just going to live that Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn life. Yeah. Yeah, because so I, I know someone who was together, for they were together for 10 years before he proposed. And it was this kind of, I don't want to say a joke, but it was this kind of like elephant in the room about like, oh, hey, guys, so, like, you know, what was happening here? And, you know, they lived together, they owned a house together and stuff. And, and, and the thing is, is that I think like, you don't have to get married and have to have kids, you don't have to have those things to be happy. You can have a relationship that just kind of, you know, that 
that goes along and you enjoy each other's company and, and that's great. I think though when one of you wants it and the other one maybe isn't quite there or isn't really showing many signs of being on that level with you, that's when it's an issue. And, you know, one of them in this in this partnership that I knew, like she really like wanted it and he was a bit of a lad and whatever, you know, and and he just never really kind of seemed to be that excited. It would always be this kind of thing of like, yeah, you know, we will, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. It's fine. Um, and then eventually he did propose and we just had a massive party for it because we were just like. <laughs> we were just like well fuck yeah like fucking finally and in fairness to his credit they got married like a very short time later it wasn't like okay well I'm going to propose to you and then let's have like a five-year engagement on top it was like no 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 I want to marry you let's get this shit done now they got kids and shit and like whatever but yeah like it did take a good long long while and it was kind of at a point where it was like so like even we were kind of going so what's what's happening with this because <laughs> um let alone them but it, it yeah so it, I mean it does happen but like yeah for me for me I've never really had that so much for me I've, I mean I've had it on a very short-term thing like when I was really young I was um seeing this guy and it had been like four months of like continual dates and being exclusive and he still wasn't calling me his girlfriend oh yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah. And um, I mean, I was 19. So and he was 21. So it's not like, you know, I was envisioning marrying this guy, but I was like, kind of nice to, you know, be acknowledged as your girlfriend kind of thing. He just didn't want it. And then we broke up as a result kind of thing. So like, all right, it's not 10 years and it's not like marriage and whatever. But like, it was this kind of same thing of like, this is great. And this is fun. But like, is this going somewhere or what's what's happening with this? But yeah, four months and not even being called the girlfriend. And what's so weird as well is that he literally told he literally told me that if him and his cousin weren't weren't cousins, they would hook up. What? Yeah. They were both really attractive and that's fair. But yeah, and she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally I'd bang James. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, we were at this club and few drinks had been had. But yeah. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do with that information. Like, are you asking me for a three-way or what, what are we doing here? That's how you get a basket case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very much kind of like, okay. And then I think it was naturally that long after that, that I had the conversation. And honestly, I think part of, part of me was kind of like, we need this conversation apart from anything else, just so that, you know, if this isn't going anywhere, I can get out now. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in their defense, they were both very attractive people, but I mean, still blood related. So yeah, I, no matter how attractive you are, you have to consider the fact like we could produce a hell spawn. Yeah, right. It's like in Mean Girls when Karen's just like, but he's my first cousin. You know? Right. Yeah, that's right. Oh my um, goodness. I, but yeah, I just couldn't believe how freely they came out with it. They were just like, yeah, you know, if we weren't cousins, we probably would have banged by now. Oh, okay. Do you think they eventually did? Oh, you know what? I really kind of hope that they did just for the sheer fuckery of it all. Um, maybe. You never know. Maybe one day when they got drunk at like a, a family get together and stuff, or like they maybe had to like head to toe it and yeah. then didn't, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, that's a, a head to toe sleeping is just the prelude to a 69. Oh, 100%. Like, oh my gosh, how did this end up here? Oh. How, how did this end up in my mouth? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I guess while it's there, you know. <laughs> right. Don't take it personally. I'm just always erect around cousins. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously. I mean, you know, there's... No, I can't even say that I've had it. <laughs> Although, in fairness, all, all my cousins are... Well, maybe... No, I'm joking. No, you, none you, of you've heard it here first. All of Kate's cousins <laughs> unattractive. No, I go... I just... I feel like there's just some... I just... Aren't you... Aren't you, like born shouldn't you be you should just be born with like you know like you know how you have beer goggles but like the opposite for your family like as soon as you like like terminate a style you like you land eyes on you on your family member and it's just like do not fuck comes across like yeah because i had an older cousin who I, I mean she was probably seven eight years older than i was yeah and and was very pretty also and i could acknowledge that yeah. But also was like, oh, under no circumstance. Like, I don't fantasize about her sexually because she's my cousin. Exactly. And, and to do so would cross a line for myself internally. The, the, yeah. the geography of my own soul would be forever <laughs> marred by that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apart from, you know, the fact that it goes against the laws of nature. You know, like, your own internal laws are also a breach there, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't royalty. You know, that was the other <laughs> thing. We weren't royals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if you basically, if you do dare to go outside of the, that genial pool, you'll just get executed. Like, you know, they'll just get fobbed off. We weren't trying to combine farms or anything. So it wasn't. <laughs> I, anyway. All right. So, so happy we talked about that. <laughs> I feel like five minutes in, we've already covered insects. Well, check, check. You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> listeners at home with the uh, the heart of horror bingo card, incest <laughs> is the free space. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, the the other thing I really like about the front end of this movie is I think it does a nice job of depicting that hey, we're falling in love kind of moment. Mm, you know yeah the the whole scene where he takes her to his family home and he breaks out the peanut noir. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but also part of me does does cringe because I really do love wine and I can just I can just almost taste that. <laughs> it's the the Burt Erlinger's fruit wine or mm -hmm. whatever from Shit's mm -hmm. Creek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just all of those like weird amalgamations of flavors put together and it's like maybe it's okay. <laughs> I associate the flavor of peanuts in non-peanut food as oh this has turned. I'm not really a fan of peanuts and food. I like satay yeah. sauce, but you know, you get that satay sauce, which still has like peanuts in it. Like, like it's not been ground up, like in the hole. Can't be dealing with that. I can't deal with nuts on salad either. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm with you. I, I'll go so, maybe a little fennel seed on a salad, maybe. I can't do fennel because it tastes like aniseed and I'm allergic. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Now, now I know if, if I ever have to poison you for a fortune. <laughs> yeah well i mean i don't know if i'd die from it but you just might get some projectile vomit in your face so <laughs> now we're getting the kinks. Oh. <laughs> i was gonna say like yeah that's a fun time depending on how you look at it you know right so. maybe those two cousins that's how it started <laughs> yeah maybe getting drunk at a, at a party one of them throws up monty python style the other one's like, right finally yeah. my dream has come true yeah, so with this line we're crossing, well, then all bets are off, you know? <laughs> right. One taboo is done. <laughs> <laughs> and they just kind of, like, look at each other, you know, like, the vomit's just kind of dripping off the face, and they're just like, oh, yeah. You right. Know, like... that, that look that, that's, like, vaguely, like, quicksand with some corn in it. <laughs> Nothing says sexual tension more than that, honestly. Like, 
nothing nothing on this god good god's greener says sexual attention like quicksand looking vomit yeah <laughs> all right so so with the movie um but yeah i think the the scenes with the the peanut noir and her finding the tape that was was a mixtape for, for julie yeah and, you know kind of giving him shit about oh no this is experiential and so and, yeah i love their banter their banter is so natural and and it's just it when they banter you kind of feel included do you know what i mean oh for sure it, it's almost like a fingerprint where those early stages of a relationship when you're sort of forming your own little inside jokes and yeah. and that sort of thing is is incredibly intimate and yeah. in much the same way that i mean you know sex is obviously important to any relationship but that level of emotional intimacy is mm. is the thing that carries you yeah yeah for sure because you're not oh you might be horny forever but like there will be points where you're not horny and you need to fall back on like that good shit too so yeah yeah, it's really important but this is what i mean like it's very intimate it's very there's there's such a warmth to these scenes and these characters i mean apart from the lovely sunny cinematography but like you can feel that connection with these characters and it's very intimate but at the same time like when i'm watching i don't feel like i'm intruding I don't know, like, I feel like, oh, this is so nice and cosy, you know? And then when we have these, like, real quick cuts to, like, these really kind of harsh and sort of desolate scenes with with just Hank and he's, you know, being attacked by the monster and stuff and everything, this kind of, like, bluish tint and everything's very cold and stark by comparison and it's not warm it's it's scary and it's not cozy it's very like harsh it's just it really if nothing else it really like just emphasizes how it's gotten from a to b kind of thing like it's just such a contrast um which i think is just done really really well and i i think the monster aside from being the literal monster of the movie mm-hmm. i think from a sort of symbolic point of view i think it serves kind of double duty yeah yeah i would be i'd agree with you yeah what's your kind of take on it then all right so i think that (laughs) all right saddle up here we go (laughs) all right people we're getting subtextual now (laughs) get your drinks it's subtextual healing and (laughs) i think i think that on the one hand it's the idea of you know at night the demons come sort of thing that yeah, especially nice. if you're in the wake of a breakup, there is something about being alone with your thoughts at night that's kind of oh dangerous. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Where you're just like, oh, how did that fuck up? What did I do? And and you're so, like, your self-esteem just leaves as soon as the sun goes down and you th- start thinking about what a piece of shit you are. Yeah. And, and how you let this happen and that kind of thing. Yeah, and you start like analyzing, like over analyzing every damn little kind of fight that you had, or like any kind of moment where you were maybe less than awesome, and then it just and you just eat away at yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> so I think on the one hand it is that, and I think the other subtext of of that monster is it's also sort of representative of Hank's sort of his irresponsibility or his uh, indecision. Yeah. And and but that's more about the end of the movie, I think, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Was what was your take on it? Yeah. So I I agree with the kind of um, the you know your demons come at night, and I think like I didn't necessarily think of it like as night at night, but now I do because <laughs> that's great. Um, but I was definitely like they you know it's his demons, and it's the kind of thing that it's for me. It was more like um, the voices of anxiety that you have in your head, like the demons that you have sort of like on your shoulder, and just trying to kind of keep them at bay, like never really letting them truly in but they are always there and and you're constantly trying to like battle them back and as well just with you know when you like with anxiety like especially so many people like will suffer from that and you know if you say to someone like oh god I'm feeling this type of way and then like your friends will come like don't be silly like you know that's that's crazy talk you're like awesome and blah 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 um but it doesn't stop those voices and you know so with like his friends and you know his should have been family by now you know sort of not really believing him and kind of going oh you know don't be silly it's just this it's just this it just kind of really very much reminded me of like anxiety um and how it seems so real to you and it possibly is real but no one else kind of really sees it in the way that you see it or or they kind of put it down to other things you know so that's kind of like how I did it and obviously like you know the anxiety that he's then feeling as a result of her going because it probably knocked him sideways with her leaving like that you know I mean apart from the, the abrupt way that she's left but he probably was thinking that everything was great and everything was fine. And what the fuck? Why is she suddenly gone? And what the hell's happened? And then it's that, and then that's when you start having those thoughts of, well, fuck, what did I do? How did I, like, how did we get here? Like, and, and, and all of those kind of things that we were talking about, like overanalyzing stuff, um, kind of creeping in because then you have to kind of, you're forced to then look at everything that's happened until now to try and piece those things together to get to a point where it makes sense that she's just up and left with no word and no contact like that you know so like for me like it was basically just anxiety and the, and the different ways that anxiety can kind of affect you oh that's very that's very good also yeah you become a weird sort of relationship detective in those moments <laughs> but you're just the worst because all you're looking for are you know i i at least for me it's uh, it's always not what they did that could have led to you know the end of the relationship it's me going through how did i screw this up Mm -hmm. and and like you said going through those moments when you're like oh well the this was a time when maybe i wasn't exactly the perfect person yeah yeah for sure yeah um because i so uh my ex uh he was like my first real long-term serious adult relationship we were together for nearly five years and uh we ended up it was just it was really like there's something that um that abby says in this when she comes back and she sort of says like i'm a 33 year old unmarried childless bar manager living in the only place i ever really wanted to leave and i think that maybe you're looking around seeing if there's something else you can chase and i'm thinking about all those things i gave up just for a spot on your wall which not only oh my god is such fucking great writing Mm -hmm. But like, I can relate to that so hard. Like, okay, I wasn't 33, I'm 33 now. But like, I was, you know, 25, coming up 26. But I had moved back to this small town where, um, well, okay. So I I spent the first 11 years of my life growing up in Bristol, which is a relatively big city in England, for those who don't know. Um, and then when I was 11, I moved to Sirencester, this really tiny little town in the country. And when I was 18, I moved back to Bristol and I moved 
back to Sirencester to save, to live with my parents, to save and to go traveling. And instead I met this guy and I didn't leave. And I never wanted to go back home, like to that home. I never wanted to like live the country lifestyle really. I, I just was there purely to save money and then fuck off and see the world. But I got caught up in this relationship and then fast forward like nearly five years on and I'm in a job I can't stand because, you know, I now have a house to pay for and stuff. Well, we didn't own it, but we were renting and all the rest of it. We had bills and whatever Um, with a guy who we had kind of gone through the motions and he was very much like a, a, a country boy country boy and I'm a city girl um and um you know he never wanted to go anywhere he never wanted to do anything he was a police officer so he would work stupid shifts and he was constantly tired and we just ended up leading very different lives I was into things that he wasn't into and and vice versa and you know and I ended up sort of breaking up with him because and and moving back to Bristol and getting a job that I really loved but I really kind of like related to to Abby's character because I had kind of had that where I just woke up and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? I didn't go traveling. I didn't see these places. I didn't meet whoever I could have met, you know, and I'm in this relationship because fucking why? Like, because I'm supposed to. And then when I broke up with him, he, well, he, he had always, always gotten really well with my parents. And they actually um, stayed in contact for quite a little while over email. Mm. And... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's a whole thing which which I will won't I'll, I'll probably mention some point in this episode because the Christmas after we broke up was the most awkward fucking thing because I also got on really well with his family and by the following Christmas he was dating somebody else and who was at Christmas but his family insisted that I go. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole thing. So anyways, he had like messaged my mum though, like, I don't know, a, a year later or whatever. And oh, by the way, right, he starts dating this girl, right? Okay, which is all fine because actually, honestly, it gave me the green light to go fuck whoever I wanted because I was feeling real guilty about that. Yeah, and then basically like... I see on Facebook that they're going traveling and they're going here and they're doing this after I'd basically just given him so much shit for never wanting to do anything or go anywhere or see anything. And then all of a sudden he's doing all this shit. And like, I'm just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> reap the benefit of my fucking hard work that I love. You know? <laughs> yeah, do, so do you think that was a reaction to you breaking up with him because of those things so that was the lesson that he took I know from it? it was I okay. know it was because he emailed my mum to say basically Kate was right and I didn't do this and I shouldn't have done that and it's something I've learned and I'm gonna make effort and blah 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 blah, blah with someone else <laughs> it, it's this movie only when it came time to sing stay it was there was another person there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, but it's fine because by that point I was with my partner now and it all, it all worked out but it was like there was a part of me was just kind of like uh-huh you know did, came all that to yourself did you mm-hmm this, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> well look who learned a lesson yeah I know like a fucking five years too late cheers you know like I put all this fucking hard work in and I get fucking butt kiss um, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even get the fucking X-Files box set motherfucker Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the insult to injury right there. I mean, right? Right? Yeah. Ugh, and he got the 24 box set. He got all the box sets because I felt so fucking guilty about it because he was all, like, packing up all his shit. And then I was just like, oh, that's really sad. And he was just like, do you want this? And I was just like, I don't care. Just take it. And then, like, you know, a month later, I'm like, the fuck were you doing? 
Like you should. Yeah. yeah, you want that. I did keep my Buffy though, so that's the main thing. It, I was. Oh, that's so ironic that you say that because I was about to tell you I was in a not the same relationship kind of situation, but I was in a breakup uh, where the girl that I was with had all my Buffy uh, <gasps> seasons. And she was like, do you want to come over and get those? And I was just so sick of the whole situation. I was like, no, 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 just keep them. And it was, yeah, it, uh, it, like you said, like a month later, I was like, God damn it. I really want to watch that. Hush <laughs> no, I can't. I can't ever give up my Buffy because not only is Buffy, but Buffy's like my breakup fucking thing. Like Buffy's the only thing that I can watch that gets my mind completely off anything. Like I watched it when my dog died. I watched it during my first heartbreak. I watched it through, through all my subsequent heartbreaks. I skipped, I skipped the, uh, the heartbreaky episodes though. Like I'm not, I'm not one of these that like needs that catharsis and by listening to sad music all the time. Like I don't, I don't do that. Like I need stuff to like, I need things to remind me how badass shit is. You know, like I I don't like to wallow. Like I like to just kind of (laughs) repress, I guess. (laughs) You're you're not putting on the Cure records or anything. No, 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 not at all. I'm like putting on, I don't know, fucking Spice Girls or whatever and jumping around my room going like, yeah, girl power. (laughs) I don't need no man. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. So I I like um, a good wallow. At the end of a relationship, I need a solid 48 hours of... Like I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to very sad music. There's gonna be a lot of Tom Waits being played. Right, right. And there's gonna be a lot of whiskey involved and bourbon. Yeah, I don't drink very much, but yeah, I'll drink after a breakup. I'm not above it. I'll like, do no, I will. I'll have like a really big night out. Several probably, in fact. Yeah. Um, where I just dance. Although I remember <laughs> I remember going to this club, right? And it was because it was a small town because I was still living in Sirencester. I didn't move back to Bristol for a good few months after this breakup because, you know, I had to save. Um, Bristol is not cheap. <laughs> and um, so the, yeah, so I'm at this club with my friends and it's like, I had just found out that he had, he told me, he like calls me up and he's like, well, did he? Yeah, he called me up and he was just like, oh yeah, so just so you know, like I'm dating someone and I'm like, okay. I broke up with you, remember? Like, this is fine. Um, so I was like, cool, I'm going to go pull because I've been wanting to for ages and I've been feeling real bad about it because, you know, like it's a small town, you yeah, know, yeah. and people people talk and shit. So I kind of tried to be respectful of the fact that I just crushed his heart. Um, yeah, so I had gone out with my friends and we were in this small little club. Like, I don't know if you guys have this in America, but, you know, you have like small towns and then like the club, quote unquote, club scene is like essentially just like a shop floor and someone's thrown a DJ into it and like <laughs> Yeah, we it's... we have like four bars all on the same street in the same right. downtown area. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, so um yeah, it's kind of like that where where I am. And so there's this this very tiny club and it's a I don't know, Friday or Saturday night. So everyone's there because it's really the choice. You have two clubs. And this one was a little bit newer. So it was all kind of like novelty and everyone kind of tended to to go there. So it was really crammed. And um, it was that thing, <laughs> you know, when you're like, everything's, everyone's really round on the dance floor. You're just kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm just brushing up against you. Oh no, look, someone else has just pushed me right up against your chest. Oh no, like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and so I had it with this guy and eventually it just got to a point like, well, I mean, I'm right up in your face. Like, why don't we just make out? <laughs> and yeah, we're both here 
<laughs> it really was. It was kind of like, well, I have no room to dance. Like it was really rammed. Like people were just, pre- it was like the London underground. You're just pressed up against each other. And like, I was kind of dancing, but anytime someone wants to go by, I had to move forward, which, oh no, look at my, look at my boobs. Just, oh, I'm just up in your face. <laughs> Um, and uh, like something out of those like really cheesy romance novels from like Mills and Boone and shit yeah and so like I like went in for a move and he reciprocated but this was like the first kiss I'd had from someone other than my ex in like nearly five years and it was just so weird yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. you know like that kind of like oh this isn't I'm not used to this kind of motion whatever this is and I was really drunk and I basically (laughs) I basically like it lasted for, I don't know, a couple of seconds. And then I just like, I pulled away and I was like crying and I just screamed in his face like, I'm really sorry, I just broke up with my boyfriend and like ran away. <laughs> <laughs> I want I, like, I want to debrief that guy. Like, what ha- I, all I did was kiss her and she was like, wrong. <laughs> like she wanted it, you know, she was all look at, you know, she was pressing herself up against me. What was I supposed to do? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really felt bad. I really hope that he heard what I said because it was really loud. So it would have been even funnier if he hadn't heard what I said. He just got yelled at and then ran off. I just ran off. Right. just not, like not the ending of the evening he was expecting <laughs> no it wasn't no happy ending <laughs> um yeah like oh poor bloke he did not he did, did nothing wrong except just be the first guy that i kissed in five years uh well after well apart from my ex obviously um but yeah oh god it was just it was such a nightmare breakup but yeah like he 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 definitely my ex definitely like um felt a type of way about the whole relationship and they were like and he did the whole I would get messages saying like I mean I'd gone on holiday to see a friend in Spain for three weeks after we broke up because I was like fuck this noise I'm gonna go get me some sun and um so I went and stayed with her and like literally every night he would leave me messages crying saying how like if I ever change my mind and how he misses me and all I mean honestly it was really quite sad and it was just I had to just turn my phone off essentially just because I, I'm like trying to come here to forget about shit and then we'll get back to our old house and he's moved out and he leaves me this like massive bouquet of flowers and get get this right not only has he left me a love letter right but he's also left me I shouldn't laugh it's really not funny it's really sad um he left me this USB stick with a slideshow of photos of us for the last five years and all the songs over this over time that either meant something to us or we had deliberated as oh if we were going to get married what would be our first dance and it was literally like a 10 minute fucking slideshow of this shit and I was just like it's bold it's a big play but you know. it did not pay off <laughs> it just if anything sure. it just it just made me like oh like no <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I so i think that's a maturity thing also is understanding from from the opposite point of, uh, of view because i yeah. had that girlfriend that um was probably my first like really serious girlfriend and we dated for a couple of years mm. and i was you know in love with her what it would have done anything but i was also a mess for a (laughs) number of reasons but i was not a great partner and and i can acknowledge that now at the time i was like what are you doing why would you leave me you know why why would you want to be you know just walking on emotional landmines all the time right (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. I mean, yeah, right. that's what I'm here for in a relationship. You got to keep it fresh. Yeah, so. exactly. It was exciting. <laughs> Spontaneous. Yeah. You never knew what the day was going to bring. <laughs> is it, is it going to be fun, Bo? Is it going to be sad crying, Bo? It could be any. Oh, um, oh Bo. So... Yeah, like I said, it was a mess. Like my dad had just died, and blah blah blah. Oh. It was it was rough, and so, but I was wildly in love with her, and um, <laughs> I ran into her. Like she broke up, rightly broke up with me at a certain point where she was like, "Look, you're you're a fucking mess, and you should probably <laughs> talk to somebody." Um, and she was right on all of those counts, but I ran into her. Because uh, after that, I did the same thing where you just launch into a series of, of really drunken nights right? Uh, with friends. And I ran into her with another guy, like, within Ooh. a couple of weeks. Ouch. Yeah, I've been yeah. there too. And, and it was rough. And I did the move. This is so embarrassing, but this is oh, the whole God. point of this. Um, <laughs> so I go up to him. And I like I'm not a fighter or anything. Like I'm not gonna pick a fight with anybody. But I did the thing where I was like, uh, I introduced myself to him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was the guy right before you, and she's sitting oh. right beside him. Oh and my it god! Just looks mortified. And rightly yeah. so again. Yeah. And so, uh, so that happens, and then for whatever reason, like a couple of weeks later, I think we were finally doing the last exchange of "here's some shit of yours, you've got some shit of mine" kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I didn't have a USB thumb drive, but <laughs> I did the full like just broke down, just begged, you know, oh. just whatever I got to do to to keep you. And uh, I and now that I look back on it, I'm like the fact that she stayed for more than say 180 seconds of that <laughs> is such a credit to her as a person. Mm. Uh, but I I feel terrible about it now. I mean I you know I, I mean I, I imagine she's probably moved on, but <laughs> I, yeah yeah this was years and years ago. She's fine now, but yeah it was. I, the, I, the thing but, is, sorry, yeah. Well, uh, what I was gonna—the uh, the ultimate point of that was not just the embarrassing story part of it. It <laughs> was that even at like that was the emotional play. But after that day, I was like, I'm done. I can't. I can't bother her anymore. Like whatever, oh. whatever emotional stuff that I need to work out, I got to do it myself. And I can't be the person that's making those, you know, 9 p.m. phone calls of like, I just want to hear your voice. You know, none of that. Oh. Like I had to, I had to pull it back. And I think that's the right move. Yes, for it sure. is. <laughs> for someone who's been on the other end of that. Yeah, it is. Because you don't, when, I, I mean, I don't know. For me, like with my ex, like I didn't stop caring about him. You know, he wasn't a bad guy. He didn't like, you know, abuse me or anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just, we were so different and we were in this rut and we wanted different things. And I just couldn't do it to myself anymore. And like, but I still cared for him. I just wasn't in love with him anymore. Um, So, you know, it still hurt to hear him so like in such pain and to know that I'm the cause of that in a way. Like, I mean, okay, he kind of did it to himself, honestly. But like, um, but like, you know, I had kind of, you know, taken that step to, you know, to bring about these actions. And 
you know, and then this is why I was so, so relieved when he got with somebody else because, you know, it was kind of like, oh, thank fuck he's moved on. Like, you know, because I don't have to hold on to this guilt anymore by putting this perfectly reasonable guy through the shitter kind of thing. Um, and, you know, when he, oh God, one of the things that I, I don't think I'll ever really forgive him for doing this because it was such bullshit emotional blackmail bollocks <clears throat> where he like, he said to me, I can't remember in what, whether it was on a message or it was in his letter or what, but he basically said like, if you ever change your mind, I'll always love you, even if I'm in a relationship, even if it's 10 years from now and you ever want to get back together, just let me know because you don't, you don't know like, you know, what goes on behind closed doors kind of thing. Like, you know, as though like he would hook up with someone, but like if I came and knock in, like he'd just drop it all. I was just like, what a bullshit bastard move because like I had been feeling so guilty about it and then now it's kind of like that thing of like oh shit is he like even if he's with someone am I gonna know whether he's over me or not like I'm just gonna be like like I don't know I want to sort of like reiterate I'm not all that in a relationship like I'm not like this like pedestal to be like put on this pedestal or anything like it's not like oh like I'm the best thing ever but like you know he obviously he obviously felt that way for god knows why um and um yeah but like it was just that whole thing of like I really just want to kind of forget about you you know and like and just having that that thing of in my mind of not of like I wanted to let go of the guilt I felt so guilty for so long like we're talking like uh, like years like one or two years afterwards I really kind of like learned to let go of that guilt um because even when he was with his now wife um like I was still kind of like especially with that Christmas like oh that Christmas was so bad like as I say like his parents and his and his sisters and his brother because I got on well with all of them um were like no 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 you've got to come because my family had moved abroad by that point it was my first Christmas without being with like my ex and also my family and I was just gonna have a friend over and we we're gonna like you know have, like eat shit and watch Christmas movies and have a, and drink and have a really great time but that apparently was no you can't possibly you must be with family and your ex and his new girlfriend oh that's that's rough yeah do you want to hear what's real rough please uh so his brother when thanking her for his present called her kate no Um, yeah i had to tell him because he didn't even realize i was like dude you just you just called her kate and he's like oh no wait no shit sorry no it's and then like it's amy no and what's really stupid is his own girlfriend's called amy at the time was called amy so how do you forget that name and it's just like, oh, no, Amy, like, you know, like, I meant Amy because you're Amy. And he made it just so much worse. He just really went to town on it. And um, and also as well, the fact that my ex kept following me. Whenever I went to, like, the kitchen to make a cup of tea or something, like, he would follow me. I'd parked in the driveway, yet he felt the need to walk me out to my car at the end of the night. Which, by the way, like, I say the end of the night, it was basically as soon as dinner was done. And as soon as there was a polite <laughs> amount of time for me to, like, before I could leave. And then as soon as that time came around, oh, my friend just called me she's on her way over okay bye like you know um it was just so fucking awkward and like oh yeah just shit like that all fucking day i was just like oh my god just kill me just kill me and i felt bad for her do you know what i mean like because that's not nice for her of course yeah like she she's the innocent in this situation not that you did anything wrong but she's the one that's like i don't have anything to do with the dynamics at work here no, and there's nothing that she can kind of like say or do. And you know what as well? My friend works with um like one of her friends 
And apparently, I don't know how this came up, literally like nearly a decade later. Um, but apparently she hated me for the longest time because all his family would do is talk about how awesome I was. Yeah, so. that's rough. That's and again, real. this isn't me like being like, oh, I'm so awesome or anything. But like, we just got on really well. And we would, you know, it was like, I was the girlfriend that kind of got him to settle down. So I think there's always when you know your parents and you have like, you know, a child who's kind of like nearly 30 and not really ever had like a long term girlfriend and never moved out of home and never, you know what I mean? Like, and then there's a girl who comes along and kind of does all of that for him. Like, I think there's always going to be like, oh, we love you. <laughs> you know? Sure. And probably some expectation on their part of like, oh, this is the girl that's going to be our our daughter-in-law. Like, mm. you know, she's going to mm. give us grandkids and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, Sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that. It, so for Amy's point of view, what she should have done is stood up at the dinner table <laughs> and said, enough of this bullshit. The next person that calls me Kate is going to get a punch <laughs> in the face. Yeah. This lady needs to get the fuck out of here pointing at you. Yeah, 100%. Like, she needs to go. And, and I'd be thanking her for that. Like, right, yeah, yeah, I need to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That, you. Oh, my God. This movie. She was just... so graceful about it. I even said to her, like, look, I know this is awkward as shit, but please know, like, I, I'm only here for, like his family it's not i'm not there's not we're not you know like and she was so sweet she was just like no it's fine and i tried to like include her because i didn't obviously oh and they, they got me gifts yeah. as well yeah and like i didn't get them gifts because we just i didn't i got his mum like i don't know his mum some biscuits and some wine or some shit but i didn't really bother with gifts apart from i gave everyone like you know do you have lint chocolate over in america uh i don't think so oh uh, is this like european chocolate so fucking good um and every year they have like lint father christmases and lint bunnies and lint you know um reindeer and shit and um and it's kind of like a staple in Eng in english christmas times like you always kind of end up with like something lint in your stocking or whatever so i got everyone like lint fucking i don't know reindeers or some shit and i also got her one as kind of like an olive branch you know like and so i like i tried <laughs> it yeah. was still so fucking awkward and there's this photo on my facebook i think it's still on there um where like my ex is playing with our dog because we had a dog as well oh, um no. yeah and um my face is just i'm in the background just sat on one of the sofas and like if you zoom in on my face i just look so unimpressed <laughs> like <I'm> just... <laughs> oh that is so awkward it was just honest to God. As soon as I got out of there, I literally, I drove around the corner, stopped the car and just like, oh, you know, like exhaled. And as soon as I got home, like that, like bottle of wine was open. I didn't even wait for my friend. I was just like, nope, I deserve this. I'm not waiting one second longer. Oh, I would <laughs> you know? have been drunk by the time I walked in the door of this. Oh, this if I wasn't driving, I'd have probably been, been drunk by the time I left that house, but I, I was driving. And he is a policeman, so, you know, best behavior and all. Oh, sure, sure. Um, well, best behavior in that scenario. Like, he, that, that, that's a real, like, you should, not you, but they should have known better than to create that, that tender box. Yeah, their first Christmas. It was their first Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's just, why? That's, uh, according to uh wham that's the year that you're supposed to give you your heart <laughs> yeah, right. 
Oh, yeah. It was it was just all kinds of awkward. It was so bad, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So, anyway. movie. So, yeah. Uh, I love all of this. So, <laughs> especially now that we know that this is just your story with a monster. Um, yeah. Yeah. A monster I've had to kind of like shoot and bury out in the woods, you know? Yeah. Like the poor cat. Um, Yo. Poor poor Darby. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Hank is being visited by this monster every night. He's trying to get some proof, especially after he uh, runs into Abby's brother, Shane, who is Mm -hmm. the local police officer. Yeah. Um, played by Justin Benson. I know. It's so cool. I love their collaborations on the shit. I just it, I don't know why, but it really just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you'd like to think that Jeremy Gardner and like Benson and Moorhead are in the same orbit of yeah. one another. That that feels right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so he basically says, "Hey, Hank, you're a real fucking mess right now, and we're trying our best to like, you know, you've got a business to run." Uh, people are starting to talk because you're not showing up to that um mm. also you are chasing people uh away from your property with a shotgun <laughs> all of this is sort of erratic behavior that should probably stop yeah i love how he go. <laughs> he's just like you, you know you were shoot, shooting up what's his face and he starts checking my mouth like you often check your mouth with a 44 gauge sometimes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like belligerent shit yeah and what sometimes <laughs> um and and really uh his one anchor in all of this is his buddy wade yeah as, as played by the adorable henry zabrowski mm-hmm. from uh last podcast on the left and much more um and he, wade is just a good old boy but he's incredibly loyal to hank when, yeah which is kind of the friend you need in that situation yeah and i i like their uh at one point they kind of go out into the woods hunting for this creature together yeah yeah it's really sweet and this is the thing you always just need that one friend that like okay this is airing so i should probably be careful how i phrase this and i mean hypothetically um but like we'll you know help you bury the body yeah you know like you can just call them up in the middle of the night and be like i need some i need some help or i need this or can you just humor me with this and they go yep what do you need buddy you know yeah okay everyone needs that friend right and and if you don't have that friend go get yourself one Mm -hmm. oh yeah for sure (laughs) even if you don't like them all that much (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah it it, there is a comfort in knowing that you know because i i think after a, a breakup or after relationships start to sour that that's where you have to kind of put your your love and attention is in your friends that Mm -hmm. like hey i you know i'm about if i'm not already going through a bad patch i'm about to yeah and you're gonna see some things that are ugly (laughs) but i need you for this yeah yeah definitely i think as well like with these sort of things like all right, in in this situation within the film, I don't think he did see her sort of up and leaving for four weeks. But um, you know, I think like in in real life, you do tend to see things coming. Like you might not want to acknowledge it, you might not want to kind of go there on your own accord, kind of thing. You kind of want to let it play out, but you do 
tend to see these sorts of things unfolding and so like I've definitely been in situations where I've like messaged my friend and been like hey just want to double check that spare room still cool kind of thing you know like because shit may be going down soon or whatever you know like and um you know there are there are just always kind of like scenarios like that I think where you kind of just want to hedge your bets with your friends and you know that phrase it takes a village it doesn't just apply apply to childcare. you know that applies to kind of any life event I feel like you you can't do these things alone you have to you know rally with your friends and they have to rally behind you and like this is why it's so sad I think when you have some relationships which are really toxic and they end up you end up kind of losing your friendship circle or they kind of ostracize you from that friendship circle and then if you know when that relationship ends then you kind of feel like you don't have anyone and then that's when it really kind of takes hold of you know that you know that spiraling where you don't have that safety net of your friends so um I can only imagine what like Hank would be like if he didn't have Wade um and even like Shane and stuff to an extent like but especially Wade to kind of like go through that with and to be able to talk to him and to and for Wade to be like yeah I got your back like whatever happens I've got I'm here I'm here for you I've got you know I've got you kind of thing yeah for sure uh, even though he drinks gorilla farts i mean yeah it's just oh. which a- after working in a bar like that was that happened <gasps> there were people that would drink those bar shots really yeah. I've, oh, I've worked yes. in a bar i've worked in two bars and that has ne- i've never seen that maybe, maybe that's just a southern american thing it, yeah that's what i was gonna say maybe we're the only ones stupid enough to actually do it <laughs> your words i am saying nothing but, but yeah i have i done one i don't think i've done one i've seen you're a classier done. fellow well so. let's not let's not say things we can't take back <laughs> but, um, we'll see at the end of this episode whether i still feel that way right uh, classy maybe not the best word but I, to the point of you know in addition to having that friend i also think that it's really valuable and sort of emotionally rich to kind of be that friend for people mm, uh if you mm-hmm. can if, if if you've got it the the time and wherewithal like i've got a buddy of mine who is uh you know got a couple of kids and his wife just had some ankle surgery and is essentially going to be off her feet for a couple of months Ooh, right. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And especially with the holidays coming up and and that sort of thing. And yeah. so you know there is like we had a really nice moment the other day where I said like, hey, if you need a hand with anything, I understand the situation that you're in. So if I can help with something, let me know. And he kind of jokingly said, well, you know, Will needs to get to this, uh, you know, this track meet on sunday afternoon if uh you know if you want to take them and i said look i'm not above it i'll whatever is going to make your life a little bit better Mm -hmm. then i'm happy to do it yeah Um, and and it was a really nice moment where he said you know i really appreciate i know you would you know and and likewise yeah so uh yeah it's you know that that's the thing i think sometimes people forget that to have the kind of friends that will do that for you you have to be that kind of friend yeah I was gonna say like it it very much for me it's it's like both ways um you know like when I first had my kid um I because we don't have family around I sort of mentioned earlier my family moved abroad and my my partner's family live up north um so we don't really have that kind of support unit that like a lot of other people have um and Michael, my partner, he, uh, you know, he after the, his sort of two week paternity, um, he had to go back to work, and I was just on my own with this 
frog <laughs> just attached <laughs> to me all day long and I couldn't really move. And, I'm, you know, and it was the summer. So, uh, well, it's like spring and then summer, like my friends were all going out to parties and festivals and no one who I like really saw on the regular had kids. Um, so none of them could really like truly empathize with like what I was going through, much less what I was going through without any real break. You know, I didn't have a mum that I could be like, oh, hey, can you just have the kid for a bit while I go nap? Or can you, you know, just watch her while I go to the shop or just have a walk or Jesus Christ, just finish this cup of coffee, um, you know? And so, and they didn't really get that because they've always had like, they've always been able to do what they want when they want. Um, and on top of that, like I had to kind of, feel everything um, and feel all the kind of stuff of like, oh, I want to go do that. Oh, I want to go out, you know, and, and all the stuff which like I couldn't really do at least at that point. Um, but at the same time, like I, you know, I was saying to them, like, I'm not around. I'm not going to be around. I didn't have a car then traveling across town because I didn't even really live in the same area of town as them anymore. Um, and like I was like traveling across town with a baby in a pushchair and like on the like, you know, public si transport systems is a fucking nightmare. So I'm going to have to kind of like ask you to make more of an effort to come and see me or to pick up the phone because I'm just like in this whirlwind of baby and like terror. <laughs> you know? And like, but it was it was this whole thing of like where they'd turn around and be like, well, yeah, no shit, of course, because like you would for me and you have done for me in other areas. And there have been times where I've really needed a friend and, you know, and you've made that effort, you've come over with care packages or you've, you know, just come over with a bottle of wine and been like, forget that guy or forget this situation. Let's fucking watch Mean Girls for, ten for the 10th time and crack open this bottle and, you know, like shit like that. So it's like, it's, it sometimes isn't always 50, 50, but it's push and shove equally at different times. And, you know, I just, if I didn't have like the friends that I'd had, like during that time, then I probably would have been like, well, I mean, I'd have been fine. Cause you have to, when you're a parent, you have to buckle up and you have to be fine. But like, it would have been so much harder without like those, those people to kind of like rally around me and to make that extra effort. And then of course, like now they are all starting to have kids and they are all starting to like do that stuff. And obviously like I'm right, right there for them as well. Cause like, you know, she's, three now and she doesn't she's a nurse she doesn't need me all the time so I can like be free to you know do those things back in kind um and it's such a lovely as you're saying like it's such a lovely feeling to be like you know someone being like oh this is going on I'm like what do you need yeah you know like you just tell me I'll be there fucking don't, no questions asked don't even fucking worry about it like I got you you know it's really nice to be able to kind of do that back and I think like you do you do kind of see that it's like you know with the battery going back to like, you know, Jeremy Garden's previous film, it's like, you you kind of, it's obviously a lot more extreme situation where like, uh, oh, sorry, not the battery. Um, oh no, not even Jeremy Garden. I was thinking Resolution even. Sorry. Yeah, Benson um, Moorhead, it still but it's works. The, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. But like, it's that kind of thing of, um, you know, where like he's, they you you know, this friendship has been a really long lasting friendship. And, you know, he's doing, he's doing all he can to help his friend get through this withdrawal and to get over this drug addiction and everything and he's having to tough love it but like he will be there and do what he needs to help his friend as much as possible and it's a very different situation here but you you very much feel that closeness and that the longevity to their friendship where you know they've probably been through some shit together and they've you know and, and they know each other and and it's not even a question asked of like okay cool you want to go monster hunting i'm there yeah 
you know it's it's really nice yeah yeah exactly whatever you need to go through and we'll chat about shit and we'll work through some shit and that's cool and i'll be what you need me to be no questions asked it's it's that no questions asked thing isn't it yeah and i think right and i i think the uh, the thing that a lot of people forget is how emotionally rewarding and satisfying it can be to be the support and not need the support Mm. like i think it does something for you as a person to understand that you're you're the kind of person that can be relied upon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I yeah, it's a real, it's a real kind of like, I don't want to say satisfaction in terms of this like you know, the cat who got the cream satisfaction, but it's just it's nice to know that you're not like you can't be that much of a fuck up if you can <laughs> if you can be there for someone in that way. Yeah, like you kind of must have your shit together like a little bit at least, like at least an emotional level you know yeah like your bank account might say like 0.02 and like you know your car might be on its last leg and you know whatever else but if you can you can't as a person you're probably okay if you can if you can give that support to someone else for sure um so let's get to sort of the the meat of the film where uh in the with the backdrop of him going out hunting for this monster he, he tries to take pictures of it Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tries to set traps for it and, uh, you know, never can quite, uh, get the thing on camera or get the thing in his clutches of, you know, Shane has no time for any of this. It's just like, yeah, this, this, this isn't real. Like you're, you might be having a breakdown, but that's more logical than some monster appearing every night. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like it's kind of not in your head but you are like this something is happening clearly look at your fucking door but like you know it's not this big thing that you're making out to be and this is kind of like what i feel like with the stuff i was saying about anxiety and things before like it's quite easy to placate what people are feeling off as like oh it's not that big of a deal do you know what i mean like oh fucking calm down you know like it, it's kind of like that in terms of just un un like kind of underplaying what people are feeling or what people are believing in kind of thing yeah and so sure enough abby comes home yeah and i i like the moment where he sees her for the first time and she's come in and start cleaning up the kitchen some and (laughs) is playing some music and he just stops the music and looks at her and just kind of walks away yeah and the conversation that they have really doesn't take place until that the the conversation they need to have mm. doesn't really happen until that night when they're both you know sitting on the porch with the doors open waiting for the monster to come mm. that he has told her has been coming and there's this extended scene where it kind of starts funnily enough with him saying like i thought you might be a shapeshifter you aren't are you yeah yeah because it does occur to you as an audience member like because you know you're watching this film thinking horror movie yeah so and they make all of these really great horror movie references as well throughout you can clearly see that like you know everyone involved is is, has a love of the genre and uh you know it's something that kind of occurs to you like hmm, i wonder you know it just happens to be that this monster started coming around when she leaves and all of a sudden you know um, she's back and everything and, and whatever um, but it's kind of like I like how because it's kind of an obvious it, there's there's so many red herrings to that it's kind of like that would be the obvious and if it was that I would be so disappointed and so but I like how they really acknowledge that like yeah we know that this is kind of what you're thinking so we're going to acknowledge it too 
and you know like oh so are you, are you kind of a shapeshifter i'm not entirely ruling out that it's not you kind of thing and she's like what <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's a really nice moment that and it's a nice ease in i think like a nice icebreaker um because i feel like their their relationship and their dynamic is very much kind of I don't want to say like just jokes, but it's that he's like, you know, they do have this very light light banter with each other and a very easy banter with each other. So I think it's kind of like this, hey, here's something that's familiar and that's like that we know how to do. And it's like gearing up for the more serious conversation that has to be had. I think it's really nice and natural. Yeah, completely. And that leads into him finally asking, you know, where where were you? Mm. and she says like hey i went to this class reunion in miami like i told you i was going to Mm. and he says well that's about nine hours what about (laughs) the other four weeks you were gone (laughs) and and that's where you know it's the conversation we alluded to earlier where Mm. she says you know i I, I had tamales from a, a guy on a bicycle and I went to museums yeah. and I did all these things that I've wanted, I've always wanted to do. Like it's the, the stuff that, you know, um, appeals to her sensibility. Like, like you were saying about yourself, you know, wanting to travel and, and experience things outside of this small town. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says like, well, you know, and I've, I've come back here and he's like, well, why did you stay? And it's like, because of you, like yeah because you charmed me and it was like in that moment i was just like girl i have been there you know, like, <laughs> preach yeah like tell it sister um you know like and it's just yeah because you do when you get caught up in the relationship and this is what i also really love about those those flashbacks is that everything's so bright and that's like kind of almost hazy kind of look everything's perfect and this is and he's a lot of it's from his perspective so this is obviously like his recollections and I wonder if really those moments are as sweet and charming as they're shown here because they're all from his mind's eye and to him this relationship was great and it was this and it was that and obviously to her there are these other moments and we do get a little bit of it like we know when they're having their friends around for dinner and they find out that like you know um wade and his missus are having a having a baby and they go like oh when are you gonna have a baby and and like hank's all like you know we'll get that we'll get one when they're like eight years old and we have to worry about all of the other stuff and she's kind of like laughing along but you can see like the camera kind of like slowly pans in on her face and you can see that she's kind of like a little bit perturbed by his response and a bit like sort of i think that's when like those moments of her sort of slowly realizing that maybe she needs more than what he's going to offer start kind of coming in. But for the most part, like these, these flashbacks are very kind of idealistic. Um, And, you know, it's quite easy to sort of like see how you can look back on these things with this like rose tinted glasses, you know, the phrase or whatever. Um, But like, and you know, that's very much how it is at the beginning of relationship. Like they can do no wrong and they're amazing. We're so in love and it's perfect. And it's this and it's that. And you do, you, you prioritize that over anything else, really. You know, I've got friends who will, will kind of prioritize that over their actual friends who will prioritize it over their careers, who'll prioritize it over traveling like I did, you know? And then it's kind of like, that's great if the relationship is everything that you want it to be and continues to be everything that you need. But if it's not, then after the, you know, after it becomes less shiny and after things kind of get a little bit more, you know, routine or whatever, like 
you have to be willing to accept that what you gave up was worth it for what you have now. And this is what obviously I think, you know, um, Abby's going through and she says to him, you know, well, you know, okay, well, let's look at it the other way around. Like if I got you to move to, you know, the city and we had this like kind of box apartment and we had the noise of traffic outside and, you know, there were no forests for you to go and like wander around in. You couldn't hunt. You can, you know, would I be enough for you? I don't think I would be because there's an understanding on her part that, love is not everything that you need you can't totally lose yourself in a relationship you still have to have the things in life that make you you and that other person isn't enough just isn't solely enough this is why you have to have the the similar sights of what you both want from a future and obviously we see that that's not necessarily at least you know for the majority of their relationship that's maybe not necessarily been in sync with each other um you know, and this is definitely what I had with my ex. Like I realized like we just don't want the same things and it's not worth what we have is not worth me giving up what I want, you know? Right. Um, yeah. You can't, like you said, you you can't lose yourself in a relationship that doesn't give you other kinds of nourishment. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And and I think you're right too, that in this moment, you know, it, it's clearly Hank romanticizing the relationship because all the pictures he looks at are you know these sun dappled yeah images of abby and memories of them in a hammock and all of that stuff and it really takes this moment for her to sit down with him on the porch to say that's not ever like i've seen you looking at other women mm. and and i wonder if maybe I'm just not what you want, really. And if that's the case, then what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think as well, just like this whole this whole thing of like the chase and, you know, the hunt, um, so to speak, like I think it's all so enticing. And there are plenty of people like that who do just want to have the chase. Like there's someone um, who... Um, I used to work with and she would be on Tinder and as soon as it kind of came to like actually meeting up and actually doing something about it she lost all interest you know she uh, just wanted yeah, to yeah. have like I mean I did not agree with that whatever but like, you know but it's that kind of thing like I just want to know that they want me and I just you know and there are some people that are like that um and what annoys me is when you have those people who are like that but they don't have the balls to cut it off they just kind of like plod along just because they don't that they don't have like the confidence to be able to sort of call it quits when it's not right for them. And they just kind of end up, you end up in this sort of relationship for the sake of it. And I think like that's, that unfortunately happens way more than it should. Yeah. We're, we, we are together because neither of us are, are, are rude enough yeah. to hurt the other one. Yeah, exactly. Which I just think is just so shit. Like it's so shit for both of you involved. Because yeah. you can't go through that and not pick up on that. If you're not the one who's like, oh, I wish I could break up with them, but I can't, then the other person's either, they're either thinking that as well, or they're definitely picking up on that. And it's just a shit time for everyone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you've been with someone for a while, you can feel the mm -hmm. the tide of the relationship. And if if it starts to roll out some and you start to lose some of the warmth that you get from the person that you're with, it is incredibly apparent yeah when, and and sometimes it just happens because you know hey they've had a bad day or whatever like th those things happen but if you get those like long freezes in a relationship where like mm -hmm. for weeks at a time you're just trying to figure out 
you know, like, did I do something? Uh, did I say something wrong? Or yeah, has something yeah. changed? And um, and so I think that's kind of, you know, where Hank is in this relationship is, you know, for, momentum was what was kind of driving everything for just because they had been doing it so long mm. that was continuing to to be the the primary engine of the relationship and when she left you know especially for an extended period of time and now has come back to tell him you know i want something more then it's really decision time at that point yeah. like you, you are forcing him to either growing up is is a little too easy there it's more that you know what is your intention with this relationship is this forever and if it is then let's say that yeah yeah because that's the thing she's like i'd rather like if you if if you're not like you you know if it's not me that you're really wanting anymore like i'd rather you just say that because it will just make it easier for me because you know like that's the thing as well it's just like if you're not happy but then if the other person's also really not that happy then why don't we just put both each other out of our miseries right. you know like like sometimes you know you can be with someone for ages and and it doesn't mean to say you don't care about them or whatever but like let's not carry on this train if it's not going to the same destination like let's you know call it quits and we might go separate ways and whatever but at least fuck we'll be happy you know let's don't carry shit on just for the sake of carrying it on and if you know that that other person is also in that mindset then it does it just really just kind of eases everything off completely like it really does make things easier and yeah. there's like amicable breakups um they're so the, they're the best kind really <laughs> if you can yeah if you can have a relationship that ultimately concludes with hey one one or the other saying you know i don't think this is working and the other one says oh thank god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's the perfect breakup where both of yeah. you agree and then you can go for a beer and just laugh how stupid each other. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, and, and uh, you can almost part more as friends in that scenario because you're mm -hmm. not leaving wreckage behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There ain't going to be no midnight calls. No, <laughs> right. No USB sticks left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so that kind of brings us to the, the final moments of this film where it's a big birthday dinner for Abby, which gathers their friends like Shane is there uh Abby's brother Wade and his wife are there um announcing they're about to have their second kid which yeah. does not register well with Abby who's like oh, I didn't have one and kind of want yeah. one yeah and you know Hank for like for his part is trying to carry on mostly like things are normal Mm. and there's a nice moment between them where abby breaks out this wine that she's created and she says well does anyone know how to drink wine the proper way and hank knows you know he's attentive enough in the relationship that he's he at, if not shares her interest at least cares about her interest yeah and kind of goes through that process and so forth and um then Shane announces, uh, you know, brings up the monster is like, well, have you seen it again? I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything, but this is the elephant in the room and let's talk about this. Um, and which leads to the big Hank monologue at the end, which yeah. I love. I love when he, he starts laughing, he says the fucking ego on you. 
Oh, I know. The dress down that he gives him is so good. <laughs> yeah. And I like a good romantic speech in a movie. Yeah, I do. I'm and, a bit of a sucker for him. And when Hank says, uh, so, and I relate to this so much, when he says, you know, Abby, you're right, as you are about most things. <laughs> uh, you know, you're right that sometimes I didn't pay attention to the things that you cared about, or maybe I just wanted to ignore them. Mm. And, uh, but the one thing you were wrong about is that you weren't enough because you have always been enough. Oh my God, I know. Oh, it's oh, so good. Right in the fields. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a second. Let's pull in. Oh, what, one quick aside. He pulls in the, the uh, karaoke machine. Yeah, yeah. One little callback I really love is that Wade is singing one of the songs from the battery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, um, oh, it's the, the anthem of something, something. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 s- song for those already defeated or anthem for those already defeated yeah anthem something of the, like that. for the defeated yeah. i think yeah i think that's what it's oh, called it's yeah. so good that rock plaza central yeah. soundtrack is fucking great the soundtrack to this film just generally is really great like yeah. and yeah carry on I'll, I'll mention something about it in a minute but yeah you carry on yeah so he he then breaks out the karaoke machine and he he sings stay yeah and it's, it's this just- wonderful rendition he's not a bad singer as it he's not he's got a nice kind of yeah he's got a good voice on him and uh he he sings this song to her and it's very clear that she understands what he's saying yeah and is kind of back on board with the relationship well, he says to her, and he's like, "Fuck it, let's let's sell this fucking house." You're right. I would never. I'm never yeah. gonna finish it. I'll sell the bar and like, let's go, let's go. Fa- I'll go live in Moscow if that's where you want to go. Like, he is willing to follow her anywhere if she will have him. Yeah. And you know, and I think it's and it's not just a an in the moment deck. Like, it's really obvious. Like Jeremy Gardner's performance throughout this whole thing is is absolutely brilliant. And in this moment, like, you really do feel like he genuinely means what he's saying he's being very sincere and i will follow you wherever you want to go because you are enough and all i want is you and all this other stuff does not matter um if this stuff matters to you i will give this to you and i will do this dance you know um it's a really lovely moment and i yeah and then when he sings the song which the lyrics are just so on point for like what they've been going through they really couldn't have picked a more perfect song, I don't think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think she really just sort of sees the the sincerity in his words, really. And it's then, a lovely moment. It, it's wonderful. And at the moment that you forget that this movie is about a monster that comes <laughs> yeah, every I night, know. Uh, it attacks. It jumps on him, uh, <sighs> bites him, and starts to run off. And Jeremy Gardner chases this thing down. <laughs> And uses the antlers on on this deer that he's killed and mounted on his wall that Abby hates. Valentine. Valentine. (laughs) And grabs uh, the antlers off the thing and just straight up murders this monster. He just goes to town. Like, there is blood everywhere. (laughs) And you can hear it screaming. And he keeps going, like, long after it's dead. It's not making any noise. He's still going, and they're just and then and then Shane comes in with his with his uh, his like forty four gauge or whatever, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, oh no, you got this. And then there's that really brilliant moment where where he's like pointing the gun, and Abby just without even looking just puts her hand and just lowers the gun, yeah. like, nope, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. 
and it it's yeah it's so it's so savage and this is this is what this film does like all the way through to smaller degrees and it, i feel like it just it builds up to this moment is that you it lulls you it lulls you into this false sense of security with these wonderful flashback scenes and these wonderful moments of love and happiness and sunshine and then boom you'll have like this you know you'll cut back to present day and like you know hank's falling off the bed or there's something smashing against the door or it's this real kind of abrupt change in uh in pace and 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 atmosphere and then again it's here like but like to the max where it's like this lovely song and they're about to reconcile and they're going to have these plans and it's all so great and you know the past of this kind of sunshiny rosy happy cozy moments they kind of finally caught up to the present where they can have that again and then all of a sudden bam like <laughs> this monster and also as well just this kind of the validation for hank too you know because as an audience member we're like is it in his head is it some kind of shape-shifting thing like what is going on here and like oh no it is it's just it is a monster it's real and that's what's happening <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's kind of like it's very cool that they kind of they didn't feel the need to try and dress it up as anything else. It's just, no, it's a monster and that's that. And look, Hank's, ki you know, kicking the shit out of it. Um, and let's just, you know, like the, like, uh, like Abby and, and Shane and everyone else, like, let's just kind of watch this unfold, I guess. <laughs> you know? um, and then like, yeah. And then afterwards there has this moment where he's bloody and he's like panting from the kill and all the rest. Of it. And bearing in mind that Abby is, kind of a pacifist when it comes to that like she doesn't really like him hunting she doesn't want the animals on his wall and all the rest of it so that could really go either way like you've seen this real dark side of him you know and he's there and he, he chooses that moment to propose <laughs> it yeah but it's such a wonderful proposal though it's yeah i it's 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 so perfect for them it's him you know? yeah it, 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 like he has the way he does this, he crawls over to her just bloody, <laughs> you know, cover, covered in gore and viscera. Yeah. And he, he's wild eyed. <laughs> yeah, completely. Just hair greasy with blood. Yeah. And he, this bottle that uh, had had rolled uh, away, he he grabs the bottle and he shows it to her. And it's a bottle of the peanut noir that they were sharing at the beginning mm -hmm. of the movie. And the way he's holding it, she can see that there's an engagement ring at the bottom of it. Yeah. And he says, you you want to drink another case of this shit with me? <sighs> Have you heard anything more romantic in your life? <laughs> it's so good. It's and, so good. And the, the thing I love about it is the movie doesn't doesn't even bother to hear her answer you just see the look on her face yeah and, and you know that it's a yes you know that oh yeah she is now going to be with this man for the rest of their lives yeah and oh. this is what's so great is because like it could you know it could go the other way where she's just like jesus i've just seen you mutilate this thing in our living room and you are covered in blood and that could really freak a person out you know and you can't be blamed for that um but no, she's all in. Like she's like, yeah, come here, you big lug. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100% she is down for it. It is. Yeah. It it is so satisfying. Um, and and that's you know the the end of our movie. Uh, but man, I, you know, I'm glad we started with this film because I do think it is 
wildly romantic in its way. Yeah. But also very honest about its depiction of relationships and 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 sort oh, yeah. of th- those ebbs and flows where relationships do come to that critical mass point. Oh, um, for sure, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a very real look at relationships and it's not in, you know, it doesn't happen too often in films. Okay, maybe more so in horror because horror ain't afraid to go there. But um but no, it's a very raw, real, honest look at how relationships just are, especially ones that have been going on for like a decade or something, you know, and ones that aren't perfect. And it kind of, you know, the flashbacks almost kind of remind me of, um, you know, like photos or like social media representations of Facebook. Like you have all these lovely, like filtered, wonderful snapshots of someone's life, but you weren't there for like the argument that like happened over the breakfast table because like of some fucking thing and like, you know, and you hadn't seen like the the missus like storm off and gone, fuck you, slam the door. But you might have it after that reconciliation where they've gone to like, you know, something that like that evening or gone to dinner, or whatever, and made up and oh that's what we put up on Facebook. Like it's it's these kind of things. And like so when we're having you know, him flashbacking to their relationship, we don't see him side-eyeing, you know, the bar, the, you know, the waitress, and we don't have her kind of, like, necessarily rolling her eyes or, you know, going off and maybe flirting with her ex in Miami and, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. So um, it's it, it kind of reminded me of that. But again, those are things that they, not every relationship is perfect and anyone who tries to sort of claim that theirs is is fucking full of shit, in my opinion. Like, no one's perfect and no one is perfect together but it's the relationships that are worth it that you work on and that you you know you put that time in um and when there is a problem you talk about it and you acknowledge it and you you know you do your best to work it together because otherwise those demons that shit that you're that you're pushing down they will come back and bite you in the ass when you're least suspecting it during karaoke you know (laughs) so like yeah um this film is just such a great like representation of of a real relationship i think i think it's yeah a really great one to start with and i read uh some article recently a study was done about relationships that last Mm. and and to the the point you were just making it is not like the percentage of uh value placed on meeting the right person is like that's important but that is way less important than the the relationship that you build together. Yeah. And and I think this movie does a nice job. Like those moments that you see with you know the them uh laughing about this mixtape and all that stuff. <laughs> like that's yeah. the stuff that matters. It's not I mean you can you can find the person who's perfect for you, but all that means ultimately is that you share enough of the same interest and enough of the same values that both of you are willing to work at it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And it's like when he was saying how like, you know, you can put a price on making memories. And it's just kind of like he's kind of joking around because she's just like, oh, you know, like, this is my gift kind of thing. Like, it's not like wrapped up in like, you know, a box and a bow and whatever. It's not like a, a classic kind of gift. It's ex- <laughs> what's the word they use? Ex- uh, experiential. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> great word. Um, but, you know, like he's kind of joking around, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you can't put a price on memories. But it's true. Like, you know, it's it these things, you know, the material stuff and whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the it's the foundations that you lay 
in your relationship that last throughout whether however long your relationship lasts whether it's like a forever relationship or whether it's just a couple of years or even just a couple of months like but it's you don't have that time together and you don't have that bond for however long that lasts without the foundations being laid first and having those moments where you share in something together otherwise it's just a one-night stand and fuck it <laughs> yeah yes it's uh it it <laughs> what if i think there is going to be a theme to this show uh, like over the episodes and it's probably going to be that which is just like yeah it's it's all about being able to communicate with one another and it's being able to uh to say what's on your mind and if you're in a relationship where you can do that without fear of repercussion Mm-hmm. you know and and that the other person's just gonna take it the wrong way all the time and that kind of shit um, yeah yeah you know like the conversation that they have on the porch is sort of the conversation that every every couple has multiple times over the course of the relationship <laughs> where you're just like all right here's some shit that's bothering me and i need to get this off my chest otherwise it just becomes a cancer in the relationship that'll mm-hmm. doom it mm-hmm. and yeah and it's when obviously it's represented like, you know, when he finally, he, you know, kills his demon and his monster and then he's kind of there to, he's free to, to, to marry her. He's free to kind of like put all of that insecurity and whatever to bed where he doesn't feel like he is not, because I feel like he feels like he's punching above his weight. Mm-hmm. Um uh, You know, there's lots of little things that he says and does that alludes to this. And I think like he finally sort of, Again, it's that insecurity thing. Like, um, you know, he puts all of that to bed and he's like, no, I'm going to step up and I'm going to be the man that you need me to be because you are worth it and we are good together. Like, this should work, you know? Um, And I think it's just like a really, really great moment where everything just kind of comes together, the past and the present and like the monster and the romance. Because, there's, you know, it's almost two movies working alongside each other. It's kind of like romantic comedy and then this monster movie. And... You know, it, was, it works. It's not jarring at all. It works very well. But then at the end, it all kind of comes together to this, like, the denouement for, you know, if I'm going to throw out posh words that I learned yeah. in film school. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the best uh, of all uh, words related to the end of a movie. Yeah, uh, I feel. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, who was, uh, I can't, Zizak is the guy that I was thinking of who did all those philosophy books about how movies um sort of illuminate moral philosophy um and yeah that i i think you're right like this it, it is the perfect moment of seeing the the uh symbiology of of the movie of like oh these are his figurative and literal demons mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. he kills them in front of her and at yeah. that at that point they can go on to have their life together so yeah yeah definitely oh no oh, it's lovely and there's one other thing I real quick want to mention is just the, uh, I sort of said about earlier is the soundtrack. I, um, oh God, I don't know when it was, um, this year at some point, I, um, sort of read this thing where it was saying how like the, the soundtrack is a bit on the nose, you know, with like the lyrics just really kind of like heavily pertaining to whatever's happening. But I actually, I mean, I don't know. I, no, I think this is something that pretty much everyone does. Like, I actually think that that's really kind of good in a way because, you know, when like, I mean, not even just breakups, but when you're kind of going through anything major in your life, like, do you not find that anytime you turn on the radio, the song, like you'll listen to a song like, well, that's just exactly how I feel right now. Or like, you know, you tend to kind of, 
um, sort of relate everything back to what scenario you're going through. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so because, in, yeah, you want to hear your thoughts and emotions reflected back at you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I get and again, I guess it's kind of like validation or whatever. But so it makes sense to me that these songs are very much like on the nose with what's happening and what and what he's feeling and things because that's exactly what happens in real life is that you you do apply everything around you. Like I remember when I first had my heart broken at the age of 16 and there was this local bus service um which was the same name as my like my ex-boyfriend and I just saw these buses wherever I went and I was just like stop haunting me (laughs) (laughs) just get away get out of my head you know um and it was just (laughs) yeah it was torturous honestly um but yeah especially with that breakup because it was my first one and it was all like teen heartthrobs and all the rest of it and puppy love and whatever yeah. um but like i especially then like every single song that i heard i was like and we listened to that song and like oh those lyrics are just so us and <laughs> you know? uh, i'm laughing it was awful at the time but like i can you know with with the beauty of time and hindsight i can i can laugh about it now um but yeah like i just wanted to make mention of that because like it's it's something that i kind of read that seemed to be a bit of a critique on it and i was like no that's that's perfect that's exactly how you feel when you when you're going through something you know it's yeah i thought i'd mention it excellent uh all right well i think that's gonna wrap it up for our first episode um i look i i've it has been a long time coming i think both of us are kind of mutual fans of one another and no. so it is nice to do this show with you but yeah. also uh i i couldn't be happier that uh it started with incest and ended, <laughs> and ended with the warm fuzzies of uh <laughs> of a proposal um yeah it's so, a natural progression of things <laughs> yeah well again if you're a royal um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so if you're listening to this you are a subscriber to either the dark parade or edenism uh because yep. <laughs> i'm now fully embracing that and and so we would encourage As you, you should <laughs> <laughs> so we would encourage you to check out the other uh show that uh, you can hear you know more of us from and uh anything else you want to plug kate um no (laughs) that's all i've got going on but i'm uh very just very happy to be part of this and to yeah finally record with you and things and um yeah i've been a big fan of yours for a good long while i always like make special effort to listen to your stuff when you guest host on places and stuff so this has really been such a a, not to get all gushy but all very much a privilege and an honor to to record with you so thank you very much but yeah just definitely check out both stuff he is absolute wordsmith and so fucking funny and basically you ever see his name attached to anything go check it out i i implore you i i literally have to wrap this up so that i can go put on a sasquatch outfit and be (laughs) and be on a game show (laughs) so you know let's not let's not uh pretend that i am anything other than a huckster um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway so we'll be back in about a month or so with another one of these episodes once we we mm-hmm. figure out what movie we want to talk about and also i would encourage you to either in our facebook groups or uh on on twitter or wherever you find us uh feel free to to reach out if there's a movie you want us to talk about or even just a relationship story you have that you want to share uh, yeah because i really that's one thing i hope is that 
uh, I think both of us have a fair, like I haven't even touched the, the, the time that I set fire to my house trying to woo a woman. Um, <gasps> so we'll get oh, to that. Intrigue, intrigue. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you want to tease something for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, please, uh, by all means, uh, and, and if you feel like, oh, I don't want my name attached to this, just shoot a, a private message to, to either one of us. Yeah. And, we'll keep it very, right. um, confidential. Oh yeah. All you got to do is say that you do not want your name tied to the story you are telling mm-hmm. and we will certainly respect that. A hundred percent. And also as well, if there's any questions, like if you have any like dear Deirdre style, like relationship questions, can't guarantee we'll give you the answer you want, but we'll certainly give like an answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. If if you have any questions about, and I'll probably defer to Kate mostly uh, because <laughs> it will almost assuredly lead to a story that's going to make me laugh. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for now. And uh, we'll see everybody again real soon. Thanks for listening. And uh Goodbye, I guess. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks, everyone. (laughs)